0: Any good stories from the road? It'd pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was gonna
1: die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. That yeah. poison proof. They're Mangeet.
0: We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction.
1: Well, Georgia certainly hunting this afternoon and evening between the hedges. I'm Wes Blankenship, the Dogs' HQ. Jake Rowe joining us from the Stanford Stadium press box tonight. The bottom line for the Dogs, we said it going into this game, we said it all week. Georgia needed to show uh, what they showed against Oregon that 49 to three game, regardless of who they were playing, uh, that they could dominate and. They did that today. Uh, I don't know if they've had a complete game to this magnitude all season, and I know you're going to say it was just Vandy. Jake, can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you, bud. Okay. Uh, So, as we said at halftime, you know, Stetson was the big storyline, getting accurate, getting right. The passing game looked good. Georgia scored in the red zone. All the doubts that people had about this team – going into the game or sprinkled throughout the season, Georgia put on a little display to prove that they could still do it. Now it was against Vanderbilt. They need to prove it against good competition. But I think for the Georgia fans out there, you certainly feel much better about this game tonight and about the bye week moving forward before this big stretch against Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi state, than you did a couple weeks ago.
0: There's no doubt about it, Wes. And, um, Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say Georgia won anything more than one ball game for the way they played today. But uh, it was a reminder that if you forgot about week one and you forgot about, you know, the first half of week two and you forgot about week three in the first quarter or so of week you know four, this team can get off the fast starts. This team, team can't come out and look like it's ready to play and not play sloppy football. You know, I, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the game, right, and I'm looking at kind of the stats as I, you know, go over Because, you know, like I said, whenever I thought you at halftime, I didn't know that it was that good for stats and throwing the ball. Well, looking at some other stuff, um, three penalties for 29 yards today. Um, massive. I mean, that was that's the kind of thing you get, you need to get back to if you're Georgia. No turnovers. Again, massive. Um, you know, first time in the past. You know, Georgia, I think, went the first, what was it, four, three games? three or four games with no turnovers. And then they had like a little stretch there, three straight games where they turned it over in every game, uh, turned it over twice against uh, Kent State and, and Missouri each. Uh, and then they come out here today, they keep the turnovers down and they keep the uh, they, they keep the turnovers down, they keep the penalties down. And then uh, you look at the score, it's 55 to nothing. Um, you know, it's, it's Georgia outscoring Vanderbilt uh, on a two-year stretch here. 117 to nothing, I think is what it is. Wow. Vanderbilt, hasn't, Vanderbilt hasn't scored a touchdown on Georgia since four seconds left in the first half in 2018. That's the last touchdown Vanderbilt scored against Georgia. So, um, dominant effort, uh, you know, what you should see from Georgia. I say that knowing that, hey, you know, Vegas had them favored by 37 and a half. I, we, we know what that means. You know, that in a dollar will buy you, you know, won't even buy you a Coke anymore. That and $2 will. Uh, but... Um, 55 nothing. I don't know. I don't know if you should expect any team to beat any team quite like that. And uh, Georgia came out and played really well today on both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah, I don't care who you're playing. 55 nothing looks good. Uh, Thanks for watching, tuning in with us live on the Georgia show as we break down this Georgia Vandy 55 nothing victory. I know uh, many of you have eyes on (laughs) Knoxville at the moment. So I get that. You may catch this show. on a replay and we certainly get that but we invite you to hit subscribe on dogs hq's youtube channel and on your podcast platform of choice jake we can get all to we can get to all the x's and o's all, all the great things that georgia starters did today but i i want to highlight just to start the show a feel-good day for a lot of georgia's individuals you saw Dom blaylock Uh, With the touchdown grab, you saw Arik Gilbert with his first catch and his first touchdown, and EJ Lightsey fittingly finishes the game with the final tackle. So I wanted to highlight that those guys, a lot will get lost in this score 55 to nothing. Georgia dominates, ho hum, it's just Vandy. But those stories right there, maybe not the stories of the game, but cool stories nonetheless for those dogs.
0: Yeah, I mean, Dominic Blaylock, two, AC, two torn ACLs in the same knee, right? Comes out today, has another productive game. He's had, he had had two in a row um, and has a very productive day today with a touchdown catch that I, I think was probably one of George's better plays of the day, considering the situation, considering the way it went down. But, uh, you know, doing that twice in the same knee, um, listen, man, I've torn, I, I had a torn ACL before and I was crying coming out of surgery because I didn't know if I'd ever be worth anything anymore. But I may have had something to do with that. Those no stuff they give you. They're doing surgery, but, you know, that's how mentally weak I am. And, uh, you know, Dominic Waylock came back from two of them and uh, is now, you know, becoming a a real significant part of this George offense. Eric Gilbert, I don't even know what to say there because there's so much I don't understand and so much everybody needs to understand that they don't understand. Um, I read the Facebook comments. We post stories on them. Folks need to get a grip. You're a braver
1: man than I am. I I don't even let my eyes meet them
0: those folks need to kind of grow up a little bit because they don't know what the kid's been through. Um, and, you know, for him to kind of, look, you can say what you want about him not living up to five-star expectations. He never asked for that. Um, but it does look to me like he's committed to keeping, keeping on, keeping on. And there's something to be said for that. Um, yeah. George
1: and- Georgia's stuck with him. And, you know, I've had people ask me, you know, before games, after games, buddies, text message threads. Why does Georgia feel the need to invest so much in him? And again, there's a lot going on with his personal story that we don't even know about. And I don't want to speculate about it, but for Georgia to appreciate his career, his skills as a football player, whether he's able to use them right now or not. I mean, I think it says a lot about Georgia and it says a lot about him to still be out there and to still even trust him to go. I mean, last week, uh, or two weeks ago, we heard Kirby Smart answer the question about why he traveled to Missouri, even though he hadn't been playing. I mean, there's clearly uh, some loyalty, some allegiance, but also uh, a lot of heart on both sides of that relationship.
0: No doubt about it. And good on Kirby Smart and Georgia for being committed to him and committed to his uh, healing and well-being and whatever he's dealing with, and good on him for keeping it going. And then, you know, you brought up P.J. E. Licey. I mean – it doesn't seem like that long ago that we were getting news that kid had had been on the wrong end of a, of a shooting, you know, and and there's never a good end to that. But, um, and for him to kind of be out there doing what he's doing, just really impressive, just really impressive stuff. And then, you want to add something else impressive? I mean, you know, it was more than just Cash Jones. Cash Jones rips off a touchdown run there at the end of the game. A walk-on running back, a guy that, you know, probably has, you know gotten his tail kicked in practice quite a few times uh, by all of these starters and really good football players that Georgia recruits. But not just Cash Jones, Nylon Green, um, you know, coming up with that, you know, pressure, just the way Georgia's reserves on both sides of the ball finish that ball game, it's not 55 nothing if those guys don't do what they do. Uh,
1: I know that we're going to wait for Kirby to give us updates, and all those uh, updates will happen real time over at DogsHQ.com as Palmer Toms is in the media availability portion of, George's evening right now, uh, but did you hear anything about Lad McConkey and or Xavier Truss? Both of them left that game late with some injuries. It appeared
0: didn't hear anything about either guy, but um, and I didn't really observe much about Trust uh, once he came off the field. Uh, Lad, you know, listen, it's it's hard to tell. You know, we you remember when we said after the the uh, Sanford game, Ad didn't come back to the sideline. Kirby said he could have went back in that game. We kind of, you know, had to shake our heads at that a little bit simply because he never came back to the sideline after going into the locker room. Ladd never went to the locker room. He went to the injury tent for about three or four minutes. He came out, helmet on, walking around without a limp, stood right beside the office, pulled the rest of the way. Looked like he was trying to get back into the ballgame. Um, I know I saw Kirby had a little short conversation with him after he came back in, probably tell him, you know, you're not going back in unless we absolutely have to have you, if I had to guess what that was. But I think that lad's behavior after you know going into the injury tent coming out is probably a good sign for Georgia going forward as far as his ankle, what appeared to be an ankle injury. Uh,
1: we invite you here at dogshq.com for more updates and news like that as it breaks. Uh, our one dollar for one year premium membership a lot going on, not just in those breaking stories, but a lot of fun on the message boards on days like this when you've got. People watching the Braves commiserating about that, watching Georgia, watching this Alabama-Tennessee instant classic of a game. Uh, Some instant classic comments as well over the Dogs HQ message board for you all to enjoy too. Jake, uh, big picture looking at this team right now and looking ahead to the bye week and that stretch uh, in late October, November here. We said this is what Georgia needed to do. We also said they needed to get healthy. You know, if there's anything – that Georgia, in your mind, needs to really tighten up right now. What is it? I I feel like the team, the story of it, from start to finish, in the first half anyway, has kind of come full circle. They were dominant uh, against Oregon. The Sanford game was what it was. They dominated at South Carolina, had some turbulence along the way, and then really started to take off again in the second half against Auburn. And obviously, in this game, too, being really physical and executing really well. You've seen Georgia teams get hot at the right time, and in some cases you wonder, is the bye week perfect timing or is it going to disrupt the flow? I'm of the mind that uh, the flow is great, but this team really needed to get healthy first and foremost.
0: Yeah, they do. They really do need to get healthy. I mean, they got to get A.D. Mitchell and Smile Monday and Jalen Carter um, back, Chas Chambliss, uh, Tresman Marshall 100%. Uh, they've got to get some of those things worked out. You know, Posh Stetson's is probably going to be a little sore. He took some hits there in the second half when – Vanderbilt just started bringing everything and everybody that they possibly could Um, even lined up with I believe 12 men on the field there at one point. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check.
1: Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Um, you know, I would say, Wes, if there's one thing, and, and Kirby talks about this, uh, about it being a work week. I'm sure we're going to hear that about the bye week being a work week. They're not going to take it off. Got to work on tackling. I thought they're tackling today. Wouldn't show by a fifty-five to nothing score. Some of that's, you know, because of a turnover that Georgia created. Um, but uh, I think that the, one of the main things that Georgia's got to work on, they got to get the guy on the ground a little bit better, especially the secondary. They just didn't tackle that well today, um, and uh, you know, it almost kind of, you know, jumped up and bit them, I guess, a little there at the end of the first half when Vanderbilt got a chance to score. Um, Georgia had a chance to get a tackle there and work on its two-minute offense, but uh, couldn't because they didn't get a tackle. So that's something that's got to get addressed, and I'm sure Kirby's going to be all over it. I think he probably addresses it when they tackle tackle well.
1: Uh, some of the guys that did tackle well today, from your observations, Nazir Stackhouse and Zion Logue on the Georgia defensive line, that's music to many a Georgia fan's ear when you consider the fact that Jalen Carter hasn't really been able to go since when? Week two, week three?
0: Yeah, they they – that group has done a really good job, a great job last week of holding up against the run. I mean, I know Auburn um, kind of got some things to spit out there for uh, for Robbie Ashford and what a game he played today against Ole Miss. But, um, you know, they that that defensive front has grown up quickly. You're seeing a lot of Bear Alexander up there. Um, he's getting a lot of playing time. And, and Georgia's, you know, Georgia's doing a pretty good job up front right now. And it's something they're going to need to continue to get better at um, because, you know, they're going to play – you know, Mississippi State's running the ball better than they have in the past. And Florida's got a little interior run game with a powerful quarterback. Uh, you know, Tennessee, you know, for all the talk that Henry Hooker gets, they run the ball well, as, uh, you know, too. So Kentucky, obviously, with Chris Rodriguez and, and Smoke and those guys, they're, they've got to effect the of against Texas. Something that Georgia's going to have to keep progressing at, but I have no doubt that that meter, you know, that, that little Madden meter of how good they are at stopping the run goes up a little hmm. bit uh, just by getting Jalen uh, Carter back.
1: Um, Dylan Bell, another player that stood out to you today, other than his almost touchdown when his shoe came off, uh, his development very timely for this Georgia receiving core that traditionally can find uh, freshman receivers to produce. And if he's starting to find his footing, uh, that's that's just gravy for Georgia if A.D. Mitchell's able to come back healthy in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, Dylan Bell's the anti AJ Green in a, in a good way. I um, mean, and definitely not bad way. You know, AJ used to catch the football and looked effortless after he caught it. He just kind of <laughs> glided through space. Dylan Bell catches the ball, and it looks like he just has the bad case of the waltz.
1: He works for everything, yeah, man. He
0: just—it's—it's it's just so intense. And uh, you know, it's not like he's fighting it. You can just tell that he's—he's he's getting after. He runs like, you know, he runs like you know. No, Sean Moreno used to get in the open field, and you're like, man, what are you trying to get away from? That's kind of what Dylan Bell is, and and I, I thought that. He looked really good. you know, by uh, just the smallest of margins, missed a sixty-something-yard touchdown catch, but then came back later, caught some passes, broke some tackles, um, got loose a couple times, and then, um, we got to talk about Darnell Washington, right? I mean, so
1: yeah, I was gonna move around the. Oh my, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know if
0: I didn't know if you, you were gonna get there or not. I just want to make sure we got there. We yeah, can do it no, now. We do it later.
1: No, let's let's do it. Uh, Stetson, I just saw on Twitter had a quote that uh, throwing to Darnell Washington is like throwing to the Pacific Ocean. I, I think oh that's my. accurate.
0: <laughs> what, is, what does Stetson know about the Pacific Ocean?
1: I don't what, know. You don't Black, see much water uh, down in It's Nahana.
0: tough to – uh, Stetson's going to have, have to have a hell of an arm to get it to, uh, get it to the Pacific Ocean from Blackshear, Georgia.
1: Um, but it's accurate. I mean, it, that one catch where the ball just kind of floated out and all Darnell had to do – uh, and this is bad podcasting if you're only listening to the audio. Was reach up and it just kind of found his hand. And I don't know why Georgia doesn't run that play all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, so just throw it to throw it to uh, Darnell's hand, and uh, and he'll make something happen. I, that one was a really good catch. And you know How about I the one along to, the sidelines. The one along the sideline was a that was an incredible throw. I mean, it was it was put right into the bucket. And then for Darnell, for – Dandy almost made a really good defensive play on it, just getting a hand in there. But Darnell showing off kind of the strong hands. And I think it was really important for him to come back with a game like that because he was kind of a non-factor um, last week at times and had two horrible blocking penalties that kind of knocked George out of a chance to maybe do a little bit more against Auburn. Um, but but he uh, he did some good things today, some really good things.
1: Uh Georgia really that, that play reminded me. Georgia had some uh battles with the referees today. I don't want to say that the refs called a bad game, but it's just freakish how many reviews the dogs had to survive today. And they didn't I don't think I don't think they fared too well against them today.
0: Um let's see.
1: That that one worked, but then the Kieris was clearly yeah. not a not a touchdown. And then the Dylan Bell play was yeah. I didn't see it on TV, but my I don't have a like, great picture on the TV that I watch while I'm in here working, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't really tell you. They said his elbow was down. I'm sure they didn't miss that.
1: Um, look, Georgia doesn't want to have to figure this out, uh, but Carson Beck, again, against the defense that probably just wanted to go back to Nashville. But Carson Beck's velocity is something that the Braves could have used on the mound in the <laughs> postseason.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know. They, you know. they probably could have used it. They probably got to hit some, too, but, um, <laughs> you know, sad day as far as that goes. But uh, I was really impressed with Carson Beck. Now, I want to say this, but when the fourth quarter started, Georgia had help, had the football for 31 of the first five, 45 minutes of the game. Um, so, it wasn't like he's out there against a fresh, wide-open defense that was, you know, rushing the passer as well as it could and, and all that stuff. Georgia had really worn him down at that point, but – I mean, you still got to make throws and catches. You still got to see the field. Um, you still got to move around in the pocket to buy time here and there. And Carson Beck did all of that so well. And you know, I think it just goes to show that in this day and age of the pre-transfer portal, if you give yourself a chance to settle down and get better, if you give yourself a chance to to um, really improve, that you can do that. And you know, the Carson Beck that Georgia had in 2020 is much different than the Carson Beck they have right now. And uh, you know, I'll say this, I, I don't, you know, there's no way of really knowing it until he gets tossed in there, but but I know that I don't necessarily feel the way I did about George's offense if Stetson Bennett goes down, because I think Carson Beck's got some juice there and can and can do some good things for him. I would, you know, obviously you'd love to know what this what does this kid look like in the first quarter of a hostile environment when an opposing defense has got a good pass rush and and those guys are flying at you. Um, but, you know. We still don't we, know.
1: We don't know that about Stetson Bennett this season.
0: <laughs> Not this season, but he's, he's been there. And, uh, you know, I just uh, – I, I can't say enough about Carson Beck and how much better he's gotten. And we've been hearing it. You know, it's one of those things that's like, you know, you'll check with people that, that you know that around the program. You're like, hey, what's going on? I try to check on the quarterbacks at least every once in two or three weeks just to see what's being said. And, you know, every single time it's like, man, Carson has come a long way.
1: Uh, speaking of uh, a place that will take you a long way, Breaking Tea, our partners in the uh, apparel game, have some great NIL collections going on uh, for several Georgia players. The shirts look good on you. You know you need a new one? Go check them out. There's a link to Breaking <laughs> Tea uh, in this episode. Jake, I don't want to keep you for too much longer. I think we have got this game canvassed, uh, other than whatever comes out of the post game quotes from Kirby Smart and some of the players. Uh, But I do want to uh, just get your final, uh, I guess, for tonight, before we do our final, final thoughts uh, on Sunday night, like we always do at 8.30 here at Dogs HQ. Uh, What are your final first half of the season thoughts for this Georgia team? And I say first half, obviously not in the game column, but in the
0: before the bye
1: week column.
0: Yeah, um, so this team's showing you what it's capable of. And I've thought about this numerous times is, you know, the, the challenge is, is trying to incrementally increase that ceiling, incrementally increase that floor to the point that when you play, when you play poorly, um, you're still good enough to win games. And when you play really well, you're good enough to beat anybody on their best day. Um, you know, I, I think Georgia's getting there. I think it's happening. I think they responded well to some adversity that they went through there a couple weeks in a row there with Kent State. Some adversity they created themselves with turnovers and, and things of that nature. Uh, But, you know, getting off to a fast start, this is awesome. But I think one of the things that I'm taking away from the first half of the season is you've got some young guys in Malachi Starks and Michael Williams, um, Brent Thorson, who have been a big part of what this football team has been able to accomplish. And we don't talk
1: about them every week. They're they're nameless, faceless contributors, but they're doing their job.
0: And you've got other guys. You've got Dylan Bells and uh, 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 Bear Alexander types that are – Oscar Delp that are starting to kind of, you know, get in there and, you know, be look like maybe they can be something extra for this team in, in in a little bit more of a stretch run type situation. And I'm interested to see how that pans out because, Wes, it happens every single year. I know you haven't covered it from a beat perspective, um, but you probably remember seen some it. of this. You, you go into the bye week, and after the bye week is a lot of times when you hear some these young players, and I'm not just talking about freshmen, I'm talking about redshirt freshmen and, you know, Xavier and types and, you know, guys that have been around for a year or two guys get an increased opportunity through these practices because they're not game planning necessarily for a team quite yet. And I'm interested to see who emerges out of that because those, those guys could be borderline X factors for this team down the stretch. Yeah.
1: I think it just goes to show how important obviously, but how vital the recruiting uh, pipeline is for this program right now with some of these names that fans will not consider to be household names, even by the end of this season, but they are all paving that road. Like you said, of, uh, incremental gains and, uh, can't wait to talk to you again about this one tomorrow night, Jake, 8 30 PM Eastern Palmer Toms will join us with some fresh perspective, some, uh, younger eyes as well on the show. We we always need that younger perspective here on the Georgia show. Uh, so go ahead and hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. Catch us then as we have a full picture of this weekend's SEC games. We record this. You know, the Bama-Tennessee game is still uh, wrapping up, maybe going go overtime.
0: going to get some extra football there.
1: But we don't know what Kentucky and Mississippi State are, are going to look like and what that story uh, will be coming out of that one. So catch us Sunday night as well. Thanks again as always, Jake. We'll do it again soon, man.
0: Bye, dude. 18 plus.